to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund, a student of permaculture, a person who knows cheap food is not cheap, and a person both fearful and hopeful about the uh, coming election. Um, On today's show, we're going to be talking about putting democracy into action. Our guests are farmer Sylvia Littmer and Emily Mingi with the Land Stewardship Action Fund. But before we start, right now, I want people listening to this to get out their cell phones and download this app. The app is called Get Empowered. So it's Get, G-E-T, Empower, E-M-P-O-W-E-R.com and then slash L-S-A-F. Um, welcome to Food Freedom Radio, Emily Mingi with the Land Stewardship Action Fund. Um, so we're going to be giving more details later in the show, but why should people get out their phones now? Hi, thank you so much for having us, Laura. Thanks. Um, people, people should get out their phones now and just start getting familiar with this app. This is a tool that we are using um, to do this relational organizing program that we'll talk more about later on. But um, it's just kind of the first step in, in taking action and, and really getting involved in mobilizing your base as well. Right, because we uh, it, it, this is such a key time in our our history. And and so to, to find ways of really having our voice show up and do that through something called relational act, relational. Um, organization is so important. Yeah, it is. It is. And this this app is a tool that helps us do that right now during this time when we're not able to come together in person like we normally do. Cool. And then, um, Emily, you want to also introduce the board member, Sylvia Littmer? I would love to. Um, yes. So Sylvia is our one of our founding Land Stewardship Action Fund board members and has been a longtime member of the Land Stewardship Project as well our partner organization, um, and she's been doing incredible work. She's gone through the Empower training, through our um, deeper dive into relational organizing training as well, and is really taking the next step to be engaged and, and to make sure that everyone in her network um, is ready and, and has a plan to vote as well. Cool. Um, so, Emily, we'll be getting back to you on most of the show. We're going to talking about. Um, you're going to, we're going to talk about how we get organized this election. Um, welcome to uh, Food Freedom Radio, Sylvia Littmer. Welcome. Hi. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah. So, tell us about Land Stewardship Project. Um, Land Stewardship Project is an organization that really believes in uh, the power of small and medium farmers to provide us with the food that we need and to take care of the land in a way that um, keeps it um, that keeps it good for, for next generations. <laughs> yeah, and maybe a, a, almost a sacred relationship with the land. Uh, yeah. I mean, land is so important. We all need to eat, and we, and food comes from the land uh, that we live on. So it's really important to take care of it. Yeah. Um, and so tell us about your personal background. Uh, well, I live in Alexandria with my husband. We live on the farm that I grew up on. We're not really farmers in the way that most people understand farming. We are landowners. We enhance ecosystems with conservation practices and you might say that we grow farmers <laughs> uh, by creating access to land um, we have we have done that uh, full circle with a farm out in Barrett Lakeside Prairie Farm which was a great project we bought a farm specifically uh, for the purpose of putting young farmers on it and we did that and they're they're doing wonderful work 
um, and growing grass-fed beef sustainably. Um, and that was a wonderful project. That sounds and so- this summer... Oh, I'm sorry. Go oh, ahead. No, that, that sounds so cool. That really does sound neat. Um, yeah, I mean, we just really have believed that we need more farmers on the land, not less, and that um, growing food sustainably is the way back to our local food systems. This summer, our our land on the farm that we live on came out of CRP. We've had um, prairie on it for 15 years, and we didn't want to put it back into CRP, so we fenced it in using equip fundings, and now we lease it to a young couple that run Early Boots Farm, and all summer we grazed 30 young, uh, 30 head of young stock rotationally on it, and it was just, it was a wonderful experience. It really brought home to me how you can have livestock on the land and increase the value and biodiversity of the land. So it was, it was really a cool project. And we'll be doing that for five years. We have a five-year lease with them. Wow. You know, we've been hearing so much about this rural-urban divide. But sometimes I wonder if that one story over-dominates uh, the collective narrative. And it's there, and um, there's so many areas of common ground because this idea of small farms is actually pretty popular in rural areas, right? Um, yeah. I mean, <laughs> depending on who you talk to. Uh, it is popular and it's so necessary because small farms have always been the drivers of rural economies. And so when our fall, when our small farms disappear, our rural economies really struggle. Yeah. Um, and so land consolidation is really a problem. And that is why we are so interested in creating land access and finding a way to convert land to the next uh, caretakers and stewards of it uh, in a way that doesn't consolidate it. So Land Stewardship Action Fund is about getting involved politically. Yes. Is that an easy thing to do for you? Um, I've always been pretty interested in in politics, and I, I guess that's why I was really interested in um, being a part of Land Stewardship Action Fund. Um, the people that make our laws uh, and are the power brokers um, really need to be in the service of people. Um, so so we need we needed a way for LSP to engage with um, with political candidates so that so that we can hold them accountable to working for the people. And without having the C4 Action Fund, it was really impossible to do that. So this has really given us a way to engage with candidates that support our values. So what are the values of the Land Stewardship Project? Um, Community. Uh, healthy land, more farmers on the land, um, racial equity. And and one of the um, emphasis that we'll be talking about on the show is something called relational organizing. How would you describe what relational organizing is? 
Uh, relational organizing is just really being in touch with the people that you are in touch with anyway, talking to the people that you know, um, and, and having conversations and sometimes hard conversations about, um, about why, why we believe the things that we do and what kinds of things will be effective um, if we engage our lawmakers. And as part of this ability to have um, uh, brave conversations, um, is part of the requirement that, that we kind of go inside ourselves so that we know why we believe what we're believing so we can tap into some deep passion? Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, I think that's a big part of it. Um, and I think also to try and create understanding that really we all want the same things. We all want good food. We all want uh, healthy families. We all want homes. We all, we all value our neighbors. And, and we count on each other um, to be good neighbors. And and I really think that most people have that in common, and sometimes um, people in power try to divide us by using wedges that um, that keep us apart and keep us from understanding that we are really our our best um, our best help is is our communities and our neighbors. Yeah, and that that feeling, that sense of unity, um, and, and I like what you said. I mean, I think we really all do want to have. Um, what what motivates you to be um, involved in your community? What's at the What's at the root of that? Well, I mean, I, I grew up in the town that I now live in. I was we were gone for several years, but when I came back, I realized how many of the small towns around Alexandria, and Alexandria is not a very big town, but there are lots of smaller towns around it um, that are really struggling. You know, corporate influences and big box stores have really, um, it's really been difficult to compete with those corporate interests. And it's been devastating for a lot of communities. We've, really demolished our local food infrastructure and markets. And that makes it very difficult for our small farmers to survive. And um, I I really want to see our small towns thrive. I want to see people love where they live and live where they love. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, we're going to need to be taking a break here shortly, but is there anything else you'd like to say, Sylvia, before um, well, I just want to encourage people to really get involved in their political process, to really understand what your candidates stand for and support the candidates that support the values that you hold dear. And uh, engage with Land Stewardship Action Fund to help you do that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, uh, Sylvia Littmer. And when we're going to take a break and we come back, we're going to talk, talk to Emily Mingi all about what can we do this election season. Uh, you're listening to Food Freedom Radio on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Don't let me down. 
Welcome back to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Headline, a student of permaculture, a person who knows cheap food is not cheap, and a person both fearful and hopeful about the upcoming election. And today we're going to be talking about um, uh, democratic action. And uh, with us is Emily M- Emily Mingi with Land Stewardship Action Fund. So welcome, Emily. Hi, Laura. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm yeah. excited too. Um, yeah, so tell us a little bit about your background and Land Stewardship Action. Definitely. Yeah, so I'm Emily. I'm an organizer with the Land Stewardship Action Fund, um, and I came on staff with LSAF full-time in July, but I have been working off and on part-time with the Land Stewardship Project, which is the partner organization to Land Stewardship Action Fund, um, for almost or about two and a half years now. So, yeah, it's been a really great Great time. I first got involved. Um, so I'm from Minneapolis originally, went out to school in Seattle, Washington, and then came back here after graduating. And soon after coming back to Minneapolis, got involved with Land Stewardship Project. Um, we have an office here in Minneapolis and then one in uh, Lewiston down by Winona and then out in Montevideo as well. So I got involved there because I was really interested in, um, in food systems and the policy that impacts our food systems as well. And just kind of wanted to get involved, wanted to learn more, and started with some part-time work, and have kind of had a few other things off and on here, but I'm really, really happy and excited to be in this role with Land Stewardship Action Fund. I also have worked um, on some local, state-level political campaigns, and so have a background in electoral organizing work. So it was a perfect transition with my passion and interest in food systems and food policy and um, experience with electoral organizing to Transition right into Land Stewardship Action Fund. Great. Um, but, yeah, yeah. And so let's see. So Land Stewardship Project is um, kind of the, I guess, what one would maybe more typically think of, like, the nonprofit, where it's, um, you know, what we designate as, like, a C3 organization that does a lot of policy advocacy, education work. And Land Stewardship Project was um, founded in 1982. So it was founded um, kind of on the values of um, stewardship for the land, fostering, like, ethics um, of people, the land, and just ensuring that communities are heard and represented um, as well, and that their voices are, are being heard. Um, so then 36 years later, in 2018, the Land Stewardship Action Fund was founded as kind of a partner organization to drive the same mission um, and goals of Land Stewardship Project, but then with an expanded set of resources and staff capacity to engage in our elections as well. I think, you know, Sylvia mentioned, too, that we just really recognize the need to have a voice in who is elected as opposed to just kind of waiting to find out the results of the election and then working from there and figuring out who we have to work with. So I always kind of like to say it's, it's like we're working to prevent the fires as opposed to fighting the fires once they start. Um so that was kind of the background, and yeah, I've been working since 2018, and started kind of with some of the gubernatorial race and, and other races that were happening that year, and now really full steam ahead in 2020, getting involved um, in in the elections this year. So some of the main work that Land Stewardship Action Fund is working on this year is we've got kind of our voter education um, bucket, and then we also do work directly with with candidates as well. So within our voter education, we are doing a lot of work around voter registration. So just helping people check their status, um, their registration status, and if they're not registered, um, helping them get registered as well. And then we're doing vote by mail education and action. So this is 
vote by mail, but also just all of Minnesota's vote early options. So, you know, if you want to vote by mail through an absentee ballot or vote early in person, um, we just kind of say, you know, our, our question to people always starts with, do you have a plan to vote? You know, do you know, are you registered? And do you know how you're planning to make sure that this year your vote is counted and your voice is heard? Um, so with that as well, we are running a, um, a voter pledge campaign that we just recently launched. I saw Laura took the uh, the voter pledge. Yes, I did um, take the voter pledge. I, I did that. Yeah. Um, and so how do people take this voter's pledge? Yeah, so we can send out the link for that as well. Um, it is, it's a bit.ly link, so it's bit.ly backslash LSAS voter pledge 2020. Um, so we can, we can send that out as well. And that's just a way for you to, to pledge that and commit that you are casting your vote. Not only that you're just casting your vote this year, but that you're casting your vote and voting for candidates who will support and be champions for people and the land. Um, that's kind of our, our grounding principle and, and vision for this election cycle as well. So we'll be following up that voter pledge and, and getting in touch with folks who take the pledge and, and making sure that, you know, they have taken the, the necessary steps and, and are making their voice heard this fall. Um, or this election season, we say, too. This is not an election day. This is election uh, season. Election season, um, yes. Yes, exactly. So spread the word. Um, so with these these voter education kind of areas, we are doing, as you mentioned earlier, relational organizing as well. And this relational organizing program we're calling Democracy in Action because we all need to be a part of putting democracy into action this year. Um, and what relational organizing is, is, you know, it's just about having these conversations with people. Um, we'll get more into this as well, but we're using a tool called Empower that we mentioned earlier to do some of this relational organizing work right now when we're not able to be in person with everyone. Um, and so then the last bucket of work that we are working on is endorsing and supporting um, candidates as well. So we have 12 endorsed candidates around the state, um, and these are candidates who were recommended to us by members, were nominated for endorsement, and we feel like really, really uphold and um, will fulfill LSP's, LSAF's vision and mission if elected. Um, they're going to be champions for our policy priorities and um, will, yeah, be champions for us at the legislature as well, be those voices that, that we need elected and representing us. Um, so those are kind of our main main areas of work that we are working on now. That sounds like a lot. Now, of course, your main website is landstewardshipaction.org. So that is the one. Landstewardshipaction.org, which is separate than the, the Land Stewardship Project website. There's yes. two separate websites. Yes, there are. Um, yeah, it's just different types of, you know, Land Stewardship Action Fund and Land Stewardship Project just engage in different ways in the elections and are able to engage in different ways. So we have to stay a little bit separate there, but are always collaborating and our constant communication. It's basically like, yeah, one organization with a couple arms. And so we're going to, at the next segment, we're going to take a deep dive in what that really means because I, I know I've been trying to um, explore this. There, there's um, a couple of people, even though I've been deeply politically active, when it comes to my closest friends and family, you know, I kind of been staying in Minnesota nice and not really talking about politics. And I am trying to step out of that Minnesota nice comfort zone. And I'm trying to engage people in the political process. And and that's that's really what this is about, this Empower app, is how do we talk to the people we know about politics. Yeah, definitely. 
And so, again, to, how do people download that app and where would they get that information? Yeah, so there are two ways. There's a phone app and a web app. So the phone app is called, um, if you go to the app store, you search Empower, and then in parentheses, it's My RVP. Um, and that is the app you download and it asks you for a code, and that code would be LSAF. But you can be part of kind of our, our program as well through Empower. Um, or you can do the web app, which is Get Empower, G-E-T-E-M-P-O-W-E-R.com backslash L-S-A-F. Great. So um, we're going to take a bit of a break, and we come back. We're going to do a mini training. I'm going to be the trainee, and we're going to talk about how do we get down and start talking? How do we talk? How do we talk from our core and our soul, um, not from hitting each other in our head, but actually speaking our truth so that we create the world we want to live in. You're listening to Food Freedom Radio on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Welcome back to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund, and with me on phone is Emily Mingy, and she's with Land Stewardship Action Fund. Hi, Emily. Welcome back to Food Freedom Radio. Hi, Laura. Um, thanks. Yes, I'm so excited to be here and to dive into our what we call our deeper dive into relational organizing training. Um, yeah, so we can... Go ahead and get started. We're going to go ahead and get started. I'm, I'm sort of like the guinea pig, so the, but this is a mini training, so um, however you start. Okay. So to begin this training, we ask everyone, I'm going to read just a part of the narrative. Um, so this is a narrative that our board created, and we kind of went through a process of really figuring out, like, how do we, what do we want our message as Land Search of Action Fund to be? So if everyone is able to kind of sit back, if you want to close your eyes, whatever it is to really take in these words. And while I'm reading, um, just kind of think and try to identify challenges and choices that you hear in this in these words. Okay, so here we go. From the fields of rural Minnesota to the urban core, deep down we know we are all connected and thrive when we share in each other's successes. Just look around at your neighbors, whether it's building local food systems, systems to support our farmers, investing in small businesses to promote a vibrant Main Street, or coming together to care for a community member in need. We support each other in building the strong, collective communities we want for ourselves, our children, and grandchildren. But for too long, the corporate control of our farming and food systems have discouraged and deterred us from caring for one another. Instead of investing in the people of our state to ensure everyone has a dignified, productive, and creative life, corporations actively work to exhaust our energy to fight for what's best for ourselves and our working communities, like living wage, stable and dignified housing, nourishing food, affordable health care, stability, and security. Unfortunately, this lack of investment is all too often encouraged by elected officials at all levels who continue to turn a blind eye to the desperate need to limit the destructive power corporations have over every aspect of our farming and food system. Through our, their campaign platforms and policy decisions, these self-serving elected officials prop up and advance the false narrative that corporate agriculture feeds the world, that only profits matter, and that all of us are on our own. But luckily, we know better, and we feel you do too. That's why you're here. As an alternative to our current reality, we need to elect leaders into office up and down the ballot this November who are ready and willing to take responsibility for the shared future of our state. We need leaders who will act as our advocates and take crises seriously from healthcare to the decimation of family farms and local rural economies. 
then we need to take your we need you to take your investment in voting in this year's election a step further and talk to your family, friends, and community members about what's at stake if they don't vote. We need you to check in with your people to ensure they're registered to vote, have a plan to vote, and have the support they need to vote by mail if possible. Luckily, we've created this program, Land Stewardship Democracy in Action, to help you do just that. Have these conversations with one another, especially with people who know who we know might be new or less likely voters. We are sure you know a few people like this, and together we need to make sure we're connecting with them, offering an alternative to our current reality and a positive alternative to our current reality, and organizing them in the direction of change. It's time to roll up our sleeves and start fighting for what our families and communities need, not for what the opposition tells us to settle for. It's time for us to join together and put democracy in action. Okay. So Yay. Yeah, actually, let's do that. <laughs> let's, right? I know. It sounds great, doesn't it? It um, does. So were there any challenges or choices that stood out to you in that? Well, you know, the, the challenge is I think there's a deep challenge on how to be um, hopeful and optimistic in these times. Um, it's yeah. like cynicism just reigns. Yep. And I, I was surprised yep. I wasn't even thinking this, but I know Paul Wellstone, when he won in 1990, it's one thing he, he talked so eloquently about, especially to young people, you know, don't be cynical. Not, he didn't say, and this is so important, I, I wish I could do the. It's not, don't be cynical, but... But, you know, we can make the world better, right? We do matter. All voices matter. And, and, yep. and we do create the world we want to live in. And um, there's so much um, hardship and so much lack of community and so much fear. Mm-hmm. And, um, and Sylvia said this um, in the first segment, um, you know, th- there are people that want to keep us divided from each other. There, there's people yep. who want the, the wedge issues and, and, and that, that keeps people in power. So, but the challenge is, um, you know, I guess it's how to believe in ourselves, in our own voice. Yeah. And our power, too. We all, as individuals, have so much power, but imagine how much power we have when we come together. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's really incredible, and that's the work that Land Georgia Project has been doing for, for a long time now. So it's, it's using that model of organizing and community building um, and putting it in action for the elections as well. Yeah, definitely. So these narratives, and and narrative is a word that's thrown around a lot. So, But ultimately, narratives are just made up of individual stories, and it's stories like these that drive our self-interest. It's the stories that that create who we are and um, and cause us to get involved and take action in certain ways. So it's stories that touch on our shared challenges that we face, the collective choices we can make, and then the outcomes that can be achieved when we work together to drive motivation for folks to get involved in this work and take action. That's what we're going to talk a little bit more about here today is how we can connect with our own stories, identify our self-interest and motivations, and then form these, these personal narratives and use those to connect with folks in our network and is- about issues that are important to us. So we can tell our stories in powerful ways that create change through then relational organizing, which relational organizing at its roots is just about building power within our community and sphere of influence. Um, So it really does just center on having conversations with friends and family around issues that matter to you. It's sharing those personal stories. It's strengthening relationships. And then it's finding that common ground. 
because because I think right now, as we've mentioned, we are so divided and we feel more and more divided every day, but there's so much that connects us. There really is. And finding that common ground is how we're going to create change and actually make this world, this country better for each individual. So that's, that's how we make change. You know, we start with ourselves and us as individuals reaching out to our networks, to our interpersonal circles. And as that message spreads, spreads and we create that ripple effect, we're then creating institutional change by affecting who's elected into office. And ultimately, as you know, we change who's elected, we change policies, we're creating social and cultural change and shifts as well and changing that dominant narrative. Um, so we that's, that's our power as individuals is just spreading that message and mm. continuing to spread it until we are changing that that dominant narrative. Right. So as an example of a dominant narrative is uh, there's so much rural and urban divide. You're never going to be able to yep. reach them. They're always yep. going to support regardless what does it. These types of narratives, um, yeah. these thought forms just kind of create their own toxic mess. mess. Yeah. And so one of the ways to address that toxic soup of false narratives is to really deeply um, be engaged with our own um, and, and have this self-reflection which is what yep, you work definitely. on in, in your training. So how do you how do you start with that self-reflection? How, how does that work? Yeah. Um, so I guess to kind of start is, you know, we're looking at our, our motivations and the forces that really shape us. Um, and just to kind of say one other thing as well is storytelling is important, um, but it's, it's the first step of many steps as well. So today we can learn a little better how to identify that story and our, our motivations. Um, but then, you know, continuing to grow and expand and practice it as well. So storytelling has power um, because it puts space on the issues. It grounds us into why we're doing this work, connecting with one another, um, and building that demand for action and creating public pressure as well. So, yeah, I guess the first step to to creating or identifying um and getting in touch with your story is thinking about why are you here? Why are we in the room? What are the forces um, that shape us and our motivation for doing this work? So self-interest is the internal motivating drive for why we choose to do the work that we do. So that means we're asking ourselves questions of why am I doing this? What's in it for me? And what am I getting out of it? So that's right. kind of that, that self-interest portion. So, so for me, I mean, I'm someone that really wants to have Social Security, and I am so upset about what's mm-hmm. happened with the payroll taxes um, yeah. right now. And so there's a lot of self-interest for me to be um, active and letting people know that um, Social Security is not guaranteed. We're not guaranteed right. Social Security. Um, um, Trump has ordered uh, payroll taxes stopped as of today. Uh, right now, uh, people in the military are no longer contributing to Social Security, and they are mm-hmm. on record. Um, and that's something that, um, man, uh, we, we really need to fight to keep Social Security. Um, I also mm-hmm. love democracy, and I think we really have to fight to keep our basic democracy. I mean, we've had s- yeah. somebody's talking about, well, we may not have to use those ballots. I mean, that, the, and, and then um, keeping our health care system. But the yep. other thing that I think is, you know, it's not just fighting the negative, but it's also going towards the hope. Um, and yep. um, I know I'm a truck driver's daughter, and um, I've said this before in the year, but um, in the 70s, I mean, grew up with a four-bedroom house with health care. My mom had a pension on basically one income, and we got two vacations every year. The American dream is not 
that way for too many people right now. People are working too mm-hmm. hard and the wages are too low and life is just yep. too darn stressful. And so yep. can we improve it through politics? You know, we can, we can. And, but I think it, it takes, it takes time and it takes a lot of people invested in wanting to, to be a part of making that change um, as well. And, and I think, you know, in terms of self-interest, you know, you're asking like, what's in it for me? What am I getting out of it? Why am I here? But self-interest is not selfish, sorry, right. it's not being selfish. It's, it's not. It's, no. It's just identifying, you know, we're all engaging in the work that we're doing for a specific reason. And, you know, me taking a job because it has benefits and, and full-time pay, it's not selfish. It's me. It's also me taking care of my self-interest as well and knowing that for my health, you know, I need to ensure that I have benefits and and for my mental health that I have a steady pay. You know, it's like there are – it is not selflessness, but it's not selfish or individualism either. It's about us all engaging in our self-interest so that we're as powerful as we can be. Right. And and I think deeply our self-interest is tied to the interest of the planet. You know, uh, exactly. having, having clean water, having a, a vital soil and uh, pollinators, that is my self-interest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's because, you know, understanding that people do things primarily because of their self-interest, it's been a tool for activating other people and getting them to recognize their power and activating that power. So it's that understanding that helps us make these connections more easily. So when we're in touch with our self-interest, we can better identify other people's self-interest and allow them and help them to mobilize and, and take action and engage as well. Right, and so if uh, this election season I tell people, you know, I'm really worried about Social Security, because um, I need Social Security. And without Social Security, yeah. you know, think of how, how much worse it is. And here's Biden's plan is to make Social Security stronger. And Trump's right. plan is to eliminate the way it's currently funded. And just like he said, Mexico was going to pay for the wall and they did not. And just like he says all sorts of things, he doesn't back up. Right. You know, he may be talking like I'm going to protect Social Security, but he has taken away the funding right. of Social Security. And people, how do we start talking to each other? Because people are so locked up in misinformation. So we have to be the uh, sharers of information. Uh, We're going to take a break. We'll be back with Emily Mingi from the Land Stewardship Project Action. Welcome back to Food Freedom Radio. With us is Emily Mingi with the Land Stewardship Project Action Fund. Hi, welcome back, Emily. And uh, we're talking more about um, our self-reflection. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, Laura. Um, Yeah, so we're talking about self-interest and identifying self-interest. And there are lots of different forces that shape us. So, you know, it's who we are, events in our lives, um, memorable experiences, important relationships, goals, ambitions, beliefs. All of these forces are really important in shaping who we who we are as people and helping us to identify that um, self interest as well. And then from all those those forces, the self interest, the self motivators, then we're able to really think about and develop our stories as well. So an effective story of self tells people something about your values, and this can be done through touching on first reflecting on challenges that you've faced. So it might be a personal challenge an issue outside of yourself, something you felt angered by or motivated to take action on. It doesn't have to be something that directly impacted you. It could just be something that that you saw and really, really um, affected you personally as well or like emotionally. 
Um, then through that challenge, it's, it's making the choice to take action. So why did you make the choice you did? Did you find courage or hope in, in that action? And what were the reasons you acted in the way that you did? Um, and then finally, after you take action, to ask, you know, what was the desired outcome? How did the outcome feel? Um, what did it teach you? What do you want it? To, um, what did you want it to teach you? Or what do you want it to teach others as well? Um, so those are kind of the elements of a story. So yeah, I think it's it's just about taking that time to reflect, think about why you're engaging in the work that you're doing. Um, what are the forces that have, have shaped you? and put you on the life path you're on, and then finding those challenges, choices, and outcomes as well. Um, Yeah, so that's kind of a a little bit of rundown on storytelling. Um, And then we can, yeah, circle back to some of the work that Land Search of Action Fund is doing through this Empower app as well. Um, So basically, you know, right now we're at a time where we can't really come together in person with people. And, And it's challenging, but we still need to be telling these stories and talking with folks about the importance of this election. Um, so what this app is, is it's a way to kind of help you, one, identify who is in your network, um, who are the people that you're communicating with. If you've got the phone app, it just automatically imports from your contacts. The web one, you have to manually import them. Um, but it allows you to kind of keep track of who those people are, and then it will give you sample messages. Um, it doesn't. One thing I love about this app is it doesn't allow you to copy and paste the messages, it really wants you to put these messages um, in your own words, too, because, you know, there's a lot of text banking happening or, or phone calling and phone banking that, you know, if we're just getting the same messages time and time again, it doesn't always resonate um, or make an impact. So we want people to to see these words, see what we're, the message we're trying to spread, but then put it in their own words so that it, the folks that they're talking to can relate. Um, so that's kind of what the app does. A lot so- of organizations... Yeah, like a lot of our listeners, you know, I've been political uh, phone banking for decades, but I've never once gone through my own personal phone book and then have it tracked. And again, it's almost yeah. it almost takes a different level of courage to be talking yeah. to the people that we know. And right. and then how, how do you start approaching these, which can be difficult conversations too? And and um, yeah. I know one of the uh, the tips is no one gets persuaded by being forced into an idea, but this idea of starting something from that personal narrative, I am worried yep. about Social Security. I'm yeah. worried about yeah, my I democracy. Mean, exactly, Our democracy. exactly. And it's starting through those stories as well. You know, ultimately the question I, I like to ask people is, do you have a plan to vote? And that's kind of where I try to get to, so to make sure that, you know, all those boxes can be checked. But I think it is just starting by finding that common ground, especially with people who who maybe you haven't talked about politics with a lot. You know, for me, it's easy to to talk to my parents and say, do you have a plan to vote? Are you registered? Did you request your ballot? Because we've talked a lot about politics. But if it's someone that you haven't really engaged with in that way, but is is a personal contact, yeah, expressing that, that concern and sharing a little bit of that story and why, why are you voting this year? And why do you feel like it's so important for you to cast your vote. Um, and I think, you know, for people that, that say, oh, I'm, I'm not going to vote this year, it's complicated, or I, I, you know, just not feeling pulled in a certain way, it's like, well, if you don't vote, I might, like, we might not have Social Security, or we might not have universal health care coverage, or, you know, our soil and our water is going to continue getting polluted. Like, it's really then grounding it in things that affect people on a daily basis. 
Yeah, I mean, climate change is real. The uh, racism is real. Um, Mm -hmm. We need to start addressing these. And I think the thing I hear the most is I've got too much going on in my life. People are so stressed out. Um, How do you respond to that? I mean, yeah, we, (laughs) you know, my work days do not end up, you know, like we all have a lot on our plates is the thing is, is we do. And I, and I get it. And I think that it is saying, yes, I understand you have a lot on your plate, but then also, why do we have a lot on our plate? We have a lot on our plate because we're in the middle of a global pandemic and social uprising because of governments and administrations that didn't take appropriate action. You know, we're in this situation where we all feel overwhelmed and stressed and burdened because people didn't vote. And so I think it's really about grounding it back to that and saying like, yes, I understand that it's, it's challenging for lots of people right now, but if we don't make our voice heard now, we're going to continue feeling overwhelmed and stressed and burdened for years to come. Exactly. Um, I mean, we're facing the worst historic fires in the United States history. Yeah. And uh, a friend of mine was saying, what if Gore had won the election? You know, yeah. what, what if he had oh, won gosh, the election? Yeah. Wouldn't we have been in a different place than we are right now? Yeah. So, Emily, we're down to our last few minutes on the show. Anything yeah. else you want to make sure you get in, the website and um, how, how? Yeah, I mean – we would love for folks to continue engaging with Land Stewardship Action Fund and, and our Democracy in Action campaign. Um, as Laura mentioned, you know, our website is landstewardshipaction.org. Um, if you go to the Get Involved or Take Action um, page there, you can sign up to join our email list, and then we'll kind of let you know. We are doing – so this training that we ran through here, we're doing like a full training um, for that, and then also training about this Empower app as well, how to use the app, how to – kind of have these conversations, and we would love for you to join. We're offering these trainings every week. Um, we want people to get engaged. We want you to to come to us, ask questions. We are here as resources to help you do this work. So please, please go to our website, sign up, um, get involved, and we will we will be in touch. Yeah, and have the courage to have these conversations. I know I've been starting yeah. to, and <laughs> I and, and and it's you know it, it's talking one on one with each other and and yeah. and listening. I mean, it's not just talking, but it's also it listening to each other. It is, and there there can't be. There's a lot of listening. We do need to listen to other people's stories as well, and allow them to share that, and then take what they're saying and bring it back to the work that we're doing, um, because we are all connected a lot more than we think we are. Um, There is, you know, we get caught up in this divisive narrative, but it is, we are all individuals, we are all humans suffering through many of the same challenges. So we just need to listen to people's stories, identify the common ground, and relay that back. Yeah, identify the common ground. And uh, um, Justice Justice Bader Ginsburg talked about the, the point of just always making the future that you want, right? The dissent is to is also a part of the hope. And and, and yeah, we yeah. can make the world we want. We can, we can. And it, it did, it, our, our, our ancestors did have brought us to this point, and now it's our turn. So get out there, get active, sign up to Land Stewardship Action Fund. And thank you so much for listening to Food Freedom Radio. And thank you, Emily Minky. 